Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me, if you would, please. Welcome all of you watching online. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. I will forewarn you that I am like torn. You can go ahead and sit down. Between two messages today. So if this gets a little uh, confusing, just flow with it. Uh, this is, it's a wonderful day. I love it when this happens. And then I have a hate relationship with it as well. Because uh, when I think about this series, yes. Okay, children, be dismissed, please. This is a new thing we're doing here just for a couple of weeks. Get out of here. I mean, please be dismissed. Uh, anyway, um, I just, I, I've struggled with this because when I started this series, please do not disturb. We are living in a world that every day there are disturbances coming across our flat screens, our iPhones, our iPads, disturbing things that we're having to deal with. And uh, if we act like they don't exist, then we will succumb because we're, we're not in our spirit. We're not opposing that which is disturbing us. The devil will not leave you alone just because you're saved. You, you, don't, you don't get a pass at salvation. As a matter of fact, when you get saved... You just came onto the playing field. You, you, just, you just put a jersey on. You, you put your name on it. You are now known. You are out there with everybody else who says, I'm a believer. And so the challenge is, I would love to say, man, all you got to do is get saved. And, you know, th- there was an old saying that, you know, J- Jesus is the answer. People said to what? To every question that ever be asked. And as much as I believe that, uh, we have to know how to apply the answer. And so we have to have a response to the things that are disturbing us. In other words, when you tell somebody, I, leave me alone, don't bother me right now, or don't talk that way around me. Actually, there are some people that know that when I'm listening into a conversation, that, and they don't mean it mean, but they always know I'm going to have a positive response. And that's not what everybody wants. Some people just want to go off, and that's okay. Venting is okay. I'm not the guy you want to vent to because I, I just am always going to come back with a, an answer that you don't want to hear right now because right now you're in a, a funky mode. And so, but it's disturbing to me to listen to somebody that, and, and again, I understand we all do this from time to time, but it disturbs me maybe coming from somebody else instead of just myself because I'm hearing it. 
and it disturbs me, so I, I am forced to have a response. Like, but, but God's going to do this. And God said, all things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Every tongue that rises up against you is going to be defeated. Don't you know it's going to be okay? And, of course, you get pushback from somebody who is struggling. And I understand that. I don't mean to be uh, mean, but, but I just know that we have to, to be proactive in order to prevent being disturbed. So when you get saved, it is very important that you begin to load your soul with the proper ammunition to not live a disturbed life. And, uh, and you know, we're living in a day where there are so many disturbing things and mental illness is at an all-time high um, and, and again, when I say this, please understand that I'm not glorifying uh, nor validating, but just observing that uh, it would be difficult when we talk about all the things going on, and I'm going to be very cautious here, but when, when, when you were born, you were born by design. If you are a woman, that's God's design. If you are a man, that was God's design. And we're living in a troubled world where I believe that a lot of the things that we're struggling with are because we don't know who we are, why we are. And we want to think if I'm somebody else, that I will have a better life. A better life is not because of your gender. A better life is because of your understanding. That God made you in his image and his likeness, there's not a higher male or female. We're all, in God's eyes, we're all the same as far as our value. You know, for many years, women were devalued and put down and not given an opportunity to vote and, and so many wrong things that have since been corrected. And we're still making corrections. Um, the, the debates go on and on about gender, and, 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 and it's a divisive argument in our society to, to not value who we are and who we were created to be. If you are a female, you are every bit as valuable as the greatest male on this earth. And, and you've got to embrace that. You don't need to push. You are who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you should be treated that way. And you should be valued that way. And you should have every opportunity any man has without argument. And, and so, but, but the fight has transitioned into transitioning. And it's a sad day, and I'm saying this delicately because I love everybody. There's not a person that I don't love on this earth, really. Now, there's some people I don't like a lot. Uh, maybe I should say I don't like their behavior, but I love everybody. And my heart breaks when I preach this, and I'm struggling last night and this morning, and I'm going, I, this whole idea of, of please do not disturb that I can create opportunities to be disturbed by what I watch, what I listen to, what I hang out with. I have that choice. And then, uh, it, let's just say I'm put in a position where I don't have the choice and I'm forced to confront within me 
the things that are disturbing to me. You cannot change that. I have to change that. It's not your responsibility to change that. Now, but it disturbs me, so I have to somehow go back to the Word of God and, and realize that I have to stay in His presence even if I'm in the presence of something disturbing. And that's a difficult thing to do when you're looking around you and you're listening to the voices around you and that, that you're trying to, in a minute, process how to, to respond. I was this morning talking to one of our ushers, and he goes to Starbucks every Sunday morning, and he said, I've been going there for years. He goes there every day. He said, it's just kind of his thing. And one of the employees uh, there that he's known for years looked at him this morning and said, oh, are you going to go worship your father? And he goes, what do you mean? Well, you know, that Holy Spirit. And she said, I just don't believe in all of that. And he said, I was so taken back, I didn't know what to say. And I thought, I have about five comebacks. And maybe one of them's from God. <laughs> and the one from God would be, well, you know, I'm real sorry for you because if, if the Holy Spirit you're talking about that I worship is right, then my life is good now and forever. If you're wrong... It's not going to end well. You know, something to that effect, just to confront, because it's disturbing. And it's not disturbing that they don't agree with me. It's disturbing that if I am, in fact, right, and that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, that He came to earth, lived 33 years, crucified on a cross, died for our sins, went to hell, led the captives free, rose from the dead after three days, ascended to the right hand of God, and is in the ear of God today making intercession for us. It's, it's a struggle, and it's disturbing. And so what we're fighting with, and I've started this a few weeks back, is that when we're not sure about these truths, we start doing things to make ourselves feel better or to convince ourselves that we are worthy. Last week, being Easter, a lot of people come to, to try to find that place. They're trying to figure it out. And uh, this is typically, I, 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 I'm, my head is kind of rolling, but we, we used to call this Black Sunday. All pastors would say, well, the Sunday after Easter, it's like nobody shows up because they've come to church. We had a spectacular Easter Sunday, one of the best we've had at Mosaic ever. And, and, and yet I know this, that a lot of people that came were disturbed, not by what we did, but they were here because they were disturbed. You know, what am I going to do with my life? What, what's my life worth? What's the value of my life? Do I contribute? I, I'm not who I thought I would be when I graduated from high school or college. I'm not doing what I thought I would do. And, 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 and all of a sudden, you start entertaining thoughts that pull you down instead of thoughts that lift you up. When I get down, and, and trust me, the temptation to get down is, is in my life, it's very, very simple, I mean, for me. I, I, but what I, I do is I start talking to myself. I, I am the apple of God's eye. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have a purpose in life. He designed and defined that purpose, and, and I need to walk that out and live that out. And I don't have to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow does not exist. 
and you say, well, yeah, no, it does not exist. Today exists. Yesterday doesn't exist. It's over. It's gone. We have today. So if I look at today and say, today, I'm going to walk. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by God. I'm going to walk in those footsteps. And then when I fail, I'm going to realize I didn't get saved by works. I, I got saved by faith, so I can't work myself into something that was already paid for. And, and so what's happening in our world is people are not bad people. They're really not. And, and that's what I have to tell myself every now and then when Susan and I are talking. And, and folks, listen, I've experienced mental illness. This is not something I'm ashamed of. I've experienced severe mental illness in my life. And uh, so when I look at somebody living outside the, the will of God and the, and the wonders of God, when I, when I see that and experience it, and, and you get frustrated or you get angry, my comeback is they may be mentally ill. And you say, well, does that mean that they're doomed for life? No, if you get the flu, you get over the flu. Mental illness is no different. I call it the mental flu. You can get over it if you respond to it right. And so never be ashamed if you're having a moment where you feel like I'm, I'm foggy, I'm not making right decisions. And I'm not saying confess mental illness, but I'm, what I am saying is, for me, I know that God put in every human being the desire to do right and to be right. And quite frankly, the way you cannot get mad at somebody or shouldn't get mad at somebody is to realize they may be in one of those moments. I mean, you don't get mad at somebody if they get the flu. You don't get mad at somebody because they get cancer. You, you, you actually have empathy and you sympathize and you, you reach out. But for some reason, we're so disturbed when people are mentally disturbed that our response becomes a reaction and, and, and we don't help anybody. And so what I want to be able to do when, when I'm struggling with somebody's life or somebody's, the way I see things, I automatically go, what if? What if they're mentally ill? Am I contributing to that or am I addressing it in a redemptive way that might help them out of that? Now, many people who are experiencing mental illness will not admit it's mental illness because they don't know it's mental illness. This is nowhere in my notes. have no idea where this is headed. But I will say prophetically that, that, that this disturbing things that's happening in our world right now is dividing our country and our world. And, and, and so I know that some of the most recent news events and some of the things that are going on right now... Uh, are extremely disturbing. And, and there are serious reactions and responses, and, and uh, we all have our positions. The, the, the key to me is keeping my mind right. If my mind is not right, I can't help somebody else with their mind. And people will not listen to hatred. They will not listen to angry people. They will listen to people that say things like, can you help me understand? Now, you're not asking help me agree. You're saying help me understand why and what. Why are you doing this? Why are you going through this? What caused this trauma? 
because we all have unknown traumas in our lives. We have a reason for living the way we're living right now. I'm in church today because my mother introduced me to church at a young age. Now, there was a gap that I wasn't in church, but the fact that church got into me when I was young, I couldn't escape it. I tried. And so we are going to have to, as the battles escalate, both mentally or as mentally, emotionally, physically, in every way, we have to keep undisturbed minds. We have to stay undisturbed. The minute we get disturbed in a disturbed world, we become a part of the vortex of all that's going on. And so in the midst of the storm, you remember Jesus being in the boat. And matter of fact, it says he went down below and went to sleep. Now, if any of you have ever been on the sea when it is violent, the last thing you want to do is be down below. It's called the puke center of the boat. I've been out on the seas, and, 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 and everything, the, the disciples are freaking out, and they're, you know, we're going to die, and they created all these scenarios in their mind until finally somebody had the courage I mean, come on, think about it. You're going to go wake Jesus up? I don't think so. But somebody was so, so disturbed that they wake him up. Jesus was undisturbed in the middle of the storm. Then he comes up and he simply says, peace, be still. His response, he had a response now, obviously, it was a teaching moment for Jesus and the disciples. It was a moment where Jesus is introducing them to an undisturbed life. Now, if I could, if I could do, if, if somebody said, what do you want more than anything in this world? Most of us, our response would be, well, you know, an extra million dollars would help. You know, my car's not doing well, like a new car. You know, I think I'd like to upgrade my house. And that's where our mind goes. But if you pause just for a moment and you really thought it out, and I've done this, what would I want? I would want a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that passes all understanding. Because if I think a bigger home is going to bring me peace, the minute I get in that home and I look at my friend who went into a bigger home, I lose my peace because I'm looking at somebody who, why didn't I believe for more? Why didn't I believe for a bigger house? But then you ask for a million dollars and somebody else asks for two million, they get two and you get one, and you ask yourself the question, why didn't I ask for two? You've lost your peace. You're disturbed. You see, most of us are disturbed not because of what we have or don't have, but because of what we don't understand or what we think we understand. The reality is, over time and maybe age, you start thinking what's really important. A soul that is at peace is like nothing else. I fight it every day as do you. Don't be disturbed. Somebody says something. Somebody does something. Somebody posts something. The joy of life for me would be able just to stay in peace at all times, to have an undisturbed soul.
That's the reason we made up these to put it, take to your home, to give somebody else. Hang these on your door somewhere, in your house. You say, well, they don't match my colors. Grow up. You wanted an undisturbed soul? Do something that reminds you, please do not disturb. Because the great challenge in life is that if we're not careful, every little thing around us will bother us. Martha was disturbed. I read this a few weeks ago. She had a disturbed soul. Jesus shows up at the house. Martha's in the kitchen. Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Martha begins to be bothered. She's losing her peace. She's disturbed because Mary's not doing anything, at least in her mind. And so she comes and tries to get Jesus on her side. You see, this is what happens. Disturbed people, if they can't get you the way they want, they'll find somebody else to help them get you to where they want. They're disturbed. You've, you've had somebody, you, you, you wouldn't do what somebody wanted, and they went and got somebody else, and they start talking about you. You hear about it, and you get what? Disturbed. People are going to talk about you. If you're a preacher, people are really going to talk about you. And you have to get used to that. I used to be disturbed. I'd go home. And I, why did I say that? Why did I, I? Somebody said something. That was a bad sermon. He said too much about himself. He said that, that, that. So over time, you have to realize, I can't let those things disturb me. Maybe what I said disturbed a demon in somebody else. And I hope it did. But we have to realize that we are responsible in and of ourselves to live an undisturbed life. Things are always happening that around us. Things are always happening in us. Circumstances outside of our control. <clears throat> I was listening <clears throat> to a podcast, I believe it was yesterday or day before, of a sermon and there was a guy back in the day that was very popular, and some of you will remember him and some of you won't, but he was a great motivator. His name was Zig Ziglar. And Zig wrote a lot of good books, and he, he had this incredible capacity to live an undisturbed life. Matter of fact, I've read several stories and heard several stories about Zig, and this one particular story went something like this, that he had... Uh, you know, he was flying around preaching all over the place or speaking at motivational seminars, and his flight was canceled late at night. And uh, so he goes to a hotel where he usually, uh, one of the chains he usually stayed at, and he goes to the desk, and he says, he greeted the, the, the clerk behind the desk and said, I need a room for the night. She does what they typically do, get on a computer, clicking away. Nothing's really happening, but they make you think it is. Click, 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 click. And... Uh, so he said, I'm, I'm so sorry, sir. We, you know, I've looked at, I, and, you know, there, there are no rooms available. And he said, I stay at your hotels all the time. I, I am a, I'm a member. Could you please look again? She goes back to tapping and looking and every resource she had. And Mr. Ziegler, I'm, I'm so sorry. We just don't have a room for night. He said, well, may I speak to a manager? She goes and gets a manager. He comes out and he does try to work his magic, and he goes, Mr. Ziegler, I, I'm just so 
so sorry. We have, every room is occupied, and then we have rooms on reserve for people getting here tomorrow. There are just no rooms available. Zig, being the person that he was, not getting disturbed, not getting angry, just looked and said, well, let me ask you a question. If the President of the United States came here tonight and needed a room, would you have one available? Manager kind of laughed. Said, well, I'm sure we would. He said, well, Zig responded, well, I'm pretty sure he's not going to show up, so why don't you give me his room? You see, when you're undisturbed, you have a different capacity to respond in a way that is more redemptive and creates more possibility. But when you lose your temper and your composure, you are less likely to have a right response because you too are disturbed. Now, when I'm speaking this message, this is like, I got one finger pointing at you and three back at me because I I could easily be a disturbed person. See, my human nature would be more inclined to intimidate. Now, none of you here at 930 are that kind of person. None of you try to intimidate to get your way. Now, at 11 o'clock, there are a bunch of people that have this issue. But I lived a lot of my life disturbed, kind of like Martha, looking to make sure that everybody else is like you. Because that way, if everybody's like you, even if you're dumb and stupid, at least you got a room full of dumb and stupid people who are just alike. We all agree. But the minute someone's different than you, what happens is it challenges you to double-check your own knowledge and, and your own insecurities. Well, if, if they don't think like I think and they don't do what I do, somebody here is wrong. That's not accurate. Somebody here is different. You see, we live life in a world of black and white, right and wrong, and quite frankly, most things in life are not right or wrong. Most things in life are just we're different. I am a very symmetrical human being. I'd be a horrible interior decorator. Where if, if something's not in line or in balance, I go crazy. I, I just, I, I can't help myself. Like we've got a new thing for our baptismal over here. And, and one side is out and another one isn't. And when I saw it, I immediately noticed it because I thought they both should look just alike. But I got over it because I realized I was being disturbed for no reason. You see, there are a lot of differences in the world. And we have to be able to love people who are different. That's our agenda. Our agenda isn't to change them. Our agenda is to love them. It's God's agenda to do whatever God wants to do. So, but, but it's disturbing because when somebody's different than us, we're often afraid. Just, just the appearance and the beauty of God. And I think one of the reasons that we have, you know, we have all these different uh, colors of human beings and the diversity of, of race is the beauty of God teaching us people don't have to look like you for you to love them. Nor should they have to look like you or act like you for you to love them. 
And so the reality is that as we look at our lives, we can look at Martha. She was argumentative. She was agitated. She was accusative. When those things begin to happen in your life, you need to take a step back. I don't need to argue. Literally, my call is not to argue, but to try to come to a place of understanding. Most marriages end not because uh, they don't love each other. It's because, first off, they don't agree with each other. But the reality is you were never called to agree with everything your spouse does. You're just called to try to understand why they do what they do. This is good marriage counseling right here. Because most of us, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to convince you I'm right and you're wrong. But if I can understand why you do what you do, even if I disagree with you, at least I have an understanding of what motivates you to be you. I may spend the rest of my life, and I know I will, even disagreeing with my spouse about certain things. I will spend the rest of my life, but I'm not trying to get her to agree with me or me to agree with her. I'm called to love her and understand her. Now, it's impossible for a man to ever understand a woman. Because they are way too smart and we're way too shallow. I am sucking up. But, but there is, you know, the old saying is that, you know, men are a six-cylinder pickup and women are Porsches. We need computer diagnostics. And, and God made it that way and we spend... Our whole lives trying to you try to get your wife to be like you. You don't want her to be like you. And vice versa, you don't want your man to be like you. You don't want your spouse, your friend, you don't want them to be like you. And, and so it's disturbing. And, and so we're disturbed simply because we disagree. We want to be right. We want to prove wrong instead of just letting things go. I have this problem with tenses, in verb tenses, and I have this problem, and I've had to try to overcome it. When somebody says, I, I have, uh, let's see, let me try to think of, of something. Somebody like uh, in my family, they say, I, I seen them at the mall. No, you did not. I have not. I saw them at the mall, and it drives me crazy. I want to correct them, but I'm thinking it's probably not going to fix the long term. And, and you know what? What's the big deal anyway? I mean, and, and so I, I'm, I, I hear that stuff, and, and, and I go, hold it, hold it. It's just different. And, and, and you know, they're, they're, and, and I'm not always accurate, so I know that. And as sure as I try to correct somebody else, I'll probably do it wrong. So who cares? You know, you love the person. Matt, no matter what they've seen. But we're disturbed. If I were to ask you to make a list today of the things that disturb you, I am sure you would, you'd run out of ink. 
But then if I said, let me ask you what, what things bless you, you'd struggle. You'd struggle. Because our human nature, our fallen nature can easily identify with, with things that are disturbing to us. And so I try to make it my policy to, to think of the things that bless me. It blesses me when, when I just come to church. I, I'm blessed to see whatever people are here, whoever's here. I'm blessed. I, I feel blessed that you come. I, I feel blessed that you're watching. I, I feel blessed. Now, you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, if I look at empty seats, I could be disturbed. I could say, well, where's everybody? Why did everybody show up this week that was here last week? See, that's, that's, that's how we think. What, what, you know, and then, and then you show, well, well, you lazy. Get your, out of bed. Why can't you be here? See, that's what happens. And, and I would be right in maybe my thinking, but wrong in my response. My thinking is, well, surely you could get up again this Sunday. It's been seven days. You've been able to sleep quite a bit. After all, you did get up five days this week, and you made it to work for some reason, complaining the whole way, but you made it. I give you permission to get up on Sunday and complain all the way here. Get in the house, and you won't complain. Amen. But see, I can't, I can't be disturbed. I gotta, if you're disturbed, you won't be grateful. If you're disturbed, you will not be grateful. Matter of fact, it's very hard to praise God when you're irritated. That's how come when I, sometimes when I feel that sense of irritation coming on, I, I, have, a, I have this rhythm in my life. I, when I'm on my way to work out, I listen to Waymaker. <laughs> it's just my feel-good song. He is my Waymaker. Whatever's going on, he's going to make a way for me. But I have to do that to keep my mind focused on the good things of God. That's what worship really is. Worship doesn't give you like a, a free pass to God. It doesn't make God go, oh, look at him. They're listening to music about me. God's not insecure. He's not like, oh, great. There's so many people that aren't worshiping me today. I, God, what am I going to do? Jesus, go help me out. And so we, we, we are disturbed to a large degree because we've chosen to look at the wrong thing instead of the right thing. And the right thing is the love of God, the, the presence of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. All of the things in our lives that overcome all the disturbances in our world. And I know that after preaching this message, I'm going to have a lot of opportunities. Because every time I preach them, it's like God said, okay, you talked about it, now tell me again. And now you're going to tell me in the midst of somebody who's being mean, hateful, and pulling out in front of you. Thank you, Jesus. We all have those areas. I avoid anymore. This is, and maybe, and see this, historically I would feel weak when I say this. Because used to, I thought, you know, I can overcome this. Bless God, I'm going to overcome this. You know, some of the ways you overcome some things is called avoidance. Avoid things that create disturbance in your life. But I was the guy who said, bless God, I'll get over it or I'll change you. And you fight it. Instead, now I go, well, you know, if I go there, I'm not a crowd guy. I don't like crowds. I like this okay because you can't talk to me. <laughs> I get to do all the talking. 
but you put me in a crowd, I, I, I would do weddings and, 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 and there'd be receptions and all the celebration. And as a pe- preacher, after I did them, I would leave. I didn't, I didn't enjoy the process of talking because I thought, <sighs> the Bible says where words are many, sin is not absent. So I realize in my life, sometimes I need to remove myself because I always have something to say. And not everything I have to say is helpful. I try to reserve most of that for Sunday morning. And so today, if you are disturbed like Martha... Then the next thing you do, as I've already stated, is you start comparing yourself with other people. I have finally, after a long life, accepted the fact that I'm probably an introvert, and that's not popular. Matter of fact, we accuse people who are introverts of being snobs. We, we accuse them of, of not being friendly. We accuse them of being unkind, when in reality, that's just who they are. And, and honestly, I've taken all the tests. I have a degree in psychology. I spent a whole semester analyzing psychological reviews and tests. And I had convinced myself that I was an extrovert because I had to because I feel like extroverts are the people everybody likes. And so I was outgoing. I was always out there. I was always, you know, the life of the party. And now I don't even want to go to a party. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm, this is, I feel a little Catholic this morning. I'm, this is confession. And, 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 and so I want all of you to understand because there are people who think that when I step off the stage that I ought to run. I, and I like shaking hands and I love you and I really do. But to be honest, it's not, it's not energizing to me because I have accepted the fact I'm me. And I was disturbed when I started making this turn and realizing that's who I am. And it's freaking me out a little bit. But I'm finding such peace in it that it has to be God. So if if I don't say hi to you, just look and say, that's all right. He's one of those introverts. It's not that I don't love you. It's just I'm not energized like I thought I used to be. And, and I think I did it because I grew up in a family that, that was pretty, we were lower middle class, blue collar family. And for the most part, nobody in my family except my mother was an extrovert. So I guess I identified with my mother and thought, you know, this is, she seemed very sweet and nice. And, and so I took on that personality, but I don't think it was really who I was. And I hope I'm not burdening you with all about me. It's not all about me, but I want you to understand. I want you to be comfortable with who you are. If you can't be comfortable with who you are, you need to check who you are, which is what I've had to do and check and go, you know, and, 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 and Susan and I got married. She truly is out there. <laughs> I mean, I say that in the most positive way I can. She's just a bubble of fun. And, and so she married me and thinking I might be the same bubble, but I needed another bubble because my bubble was going to burst if I continued. And so, but, but it's disturbing when we have this internal conflict and we don't accept who God made us to be. 
in, in numerous different situations and scenarios. And so I tell people that, you know, don't compare yourself with other people. Don't compare, because the minute you do, what it says is, I think I want to be like them, or I think I want to, and, and, and you'll be miserable because you're chasing them instead of chasing God. I'm chasing God. I'm chasing who he wants me to be. And then there's, there's that comparison, and then these are the third and fourth points, and I went a little long on those other two, but number one, then you criticize yourself. You become critical of, of, of who you are. You become critical. And if you become critical of who you are, you'll become critical of who everybody else is. You'll have a critical spirit. And so if you find yourself critiquing other people as a result of comparing yourself with other people, you'll never have the peace that we're talking about. You'll live a disturbed life. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, it took me going through hell to get to the place I am today. I'd love to tell you this came by simple wisdom and prayer and interpretation. It did not. This came through a personal hell of finally having to face the reality in my life that I wasn't the person I thought I was. And it was nobody's fault but my own. I couldn't blame anyone. But I can stand before you today as a person who was very mentally ill for a period of time, which resulted in a lot of wrong decisions. And so when we're disturbed and we get a mind flu or we get ill, if you will, we will never make good decisions. And so now when I say, if you said, I'm going to give you $2 million if you'll start living life this way and doing these things that contradict the convictions in my soul, I would have to turn it down and say, peace is more important to me than what you're offering me. So I challenge us to do soul searching, to identify who you are. And hopefully we can all love each other right where we're at. There are so many things that we all disagree on and we have so many differences. And, but whatever you would say about me, whatever you would want to say about me, and, and somebody asked me the other day, do people, uh, there were a couple of kids growing up that, and I'll close with this, that used to hear me preach and they said, we wouldn't even go to youth group. We just came to hear you. And they were 15. I didn't even know who they were. There were thousands of people. But they got a hold of me and direct messaged me. And it, it blessed me. And they said, would you have dinner with us? And their brothers are very successful now. They're in their 30s, late 20s, early 30s. And they asked me the question, do you, we're talking about ministry. And they said, do you, you still get texts? I said, every week. I said, but I'm undisturbed. Because I don't have to believe the negativity. I don't have to believe the attacks. What I did is not who I am. What I did was the result of a mentally ill man in a period of time that I was very disturbed. You see, you're going to do some things and you're going to have a past. And the, way, the only way I know to navigate my past is to say I was very disturbed. And I can own that. But in that disturbance, I finally sought 
God as to who I really am. And I found him, and I found me, and I can live an undisturbed life. Now, I still don't like some of me. The fact that I look and I go, I can stay home with my wife and do nothing and be absolutely incredibly happy. And that just doesn't set well with people. Go, let's go party. Go bounce off walls. I'm going, go Super Bowl. I guess I am a deflated beach ball. And so, but when you come to grips with it and you embrace it and you just realize, I find such peace. So if you're out of peace, ask yourself, am I really being me? And you know what? I did not like the answer that I got at first. I'm still adjusting to me. But I find such peace that now I can live an undisturbed life. Now, there will always be disturbances around me. I just try not let, to let the disturbances get in me. So if your spouse has told you, and Susan and I made this deal when we got together, I said, I will never speak poorly of you. I will never speak poorly to you. And as most women, you're worried about your weight. I just look at her every day, and I said, I think you're absolutely beautiful. No, I need to lose weight. I said, you don't need to lose one thing, honey. You got it all. You see, before, I would have been disturbed because I was a perfectionist, and I thought everything ought to be a certain way. And, and so... Don't allow the things that you don't possess or don't have to be your focal point. Identify the things you do have and celebrate those. In other words, don't let the things you don't know interfere with the things that you do know. And you do know that God loves you. He's a good God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're an awesome God, and we are so delighted to be a part of what you're doing in the world today. May we live an undisturbed life. We're not asking you to stop the disturbance in the world because it's going to happen. In the world, you have tribulation, you said, but take courage, I've overcome the world. So, Lord, may we find peace in the midst of the storm, solace in the midst of the trouble, and an undisturbed life in the midst of a disturbed world. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want all of you to pray this with me. It's a prayer of salvation. And uh, basically what I'm asking you to do today is, is put on your holy garment, your jersey, and step into the game of life instead of being swept away by it. Step into it. Let's pray this together. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today I am saved. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you, if you gave your life to Jesus, to text the word SAVED to 405-513-10. Text the word SAVED to 405-513-10. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week. Get to be a blessing to those around you. 
want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.